it went straight down the middle. Then it started to hook just Let's talk about now a, a 1987 to 1990 type of year. This was 91. Oh, this boy. is when you uh, when you achieved number one in the world ranking. And, uh, boy, a whole lot of good stuff happened here, Bruce. Four wins plus, again, individual winner at the World Cup. Won the PGA Grand Slam of golf over Ian Baker Finch. Uh, but kind of kind of got into the winner's circle in the U.S. too that uh, early that year before his big one. That's right. Win at the uh, U.S. F&G Classic in New Orleans where you beat uh, Jim Hallett in a playoff. Well, let me tell you about that, Jim. So we're in a playoff, so we're playing the 17th all at English turn, wasn't it? I'm not sure if English turns are it. It's still there or not? Yes, it is. Anyway, I've got my caddy, Phil Phil uh, Morby, Wobbly you call him, and uh, I just signed a contract with uh, Marriman. So I was having trouble with these clubs. Um, is that I couldn't get them to look right, so I decided to make, like, everything. My wage was my 9-iron. Uh, my 9-iron was my 8-iron. So, so everything, everything went down like that, so... Made them all stronger. And I had one club stronger, so my auxiliary wedge was my pitching wedge. So we get on the tee. I'll never forget it. Me on the tee first. I've hit my shot. Boom. Seven iron. Twelve feet. Par three. (laughs) Which is really a six (laughs) iron. Typical typical caddy, you know, flashes the club back. Seven (laughs) iron. Jim Allen gets a seven iron. Boom. Straight in the bunker. Short of the green. (laughs) Doesn't get it up and down, you know what I mean? Uh, oh god yeah it's uh it's uh yeah it's amazing yeah so that was quite interesting there that you know to win in the states uh one thing i wanted to do yeah i i didn't spend a lot of time in the states i used to always come over early play a few tournaments like you know bay hill and try to play bay hill when you've come off the winter is was an impossible golf course yeah it was extremely long Difficult. Yeah. Greens were tricky. But then, you know, we just moved on. And then, you know, uh, yeah, I just, I really enjoyed playing golf in America. It suited my game. Took me a long time. When I first started playing golf, I couldn't get the ball off the ground. I hit it so low. I just couldn't get it. And I spent years and years trying to get it in the air. air. And, uh, yeah, so. That's what I did it for. I was to go to the states and get it in the air to win the Masters, play in the in the majors. To you needed them balls to come in high and soft. And uh, now you're going to. Try, I've spent the last twenty years trying to keep the damn thing down because it's, <laughs> these metal clubs just sort of like just like goes in the clouds. A little just, different, huh? Too much. I can't play with them. Yeah, give me my old sort of eight degree drive. I hit one. I hit one the other day. It was fantastic. Perfect. Yeah. Well, I had an eight. That's why I hit it so far. I had an eight degree you know, Marriman driver and I could launch it straight in the air with it. Mm. Well, let's talk about that, Masters. Boy, what a. You beat, beat, beat an old buddy there too at, at Augusta in 1991. Beat Eliza Ball by one. Shot rounds yeah. of 72, 66, 67, 72. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Obviously, that week I became world number one on the Monday, and I was getting that rest reputation that you know I hadn't won a major tournament. So 
I think getting, becoming number one gave me a big boost. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm the best player here. You know, little brash, bit of cockiness. Of Sarlam. I'm going to show the boys that I am number one this week. Played the first, played the first round seventy-two. Played really well, but putted pretty, pretty miserable. Which you know, I've never really putted that well at Augusta. So I'm on the putting green, and I meet this guy called Tad Moore. Oh sure, yeah. Uh, you know Tad. Uh, yeah. Sandy, Tad, Sandy plays his hickories. Yeah, exactly. And I've known Tad since that day, and he says, "Try this putter." So he gives me this putter, and he just just added past and everything. And I'm on the putting green, no joke. And not particularly, I'm putting any better from a distance and everything, but from three foot, I couldn't miss. So I stood on that putting green for about three hours putting, and I decided to take it out the next day. And man, it just made such a difference because, you know, you can go for your putts if you're confident from three foot, mm-hmm. and you're going to hold the next putt coming back. And that's what happened. Went out, you know, shoot 66, same again the next day, 67. Then the last in and out, the last two days I played with Tom Watson. You know, Tom is one of my golfing heroes. There's there's one of the guys I want to play like, and it would be Tom Watson. Yeah. You know, he plays aggressive, love the way he plays briskly, gets on with it, and he's a fighter. And that's, you know, I used to watch him all the time. Love his golfing, fast and aggressive. So, yeah, we played him. So we teed off on the last, on the last, and we played the first hole. And, and I think what was good for me is that Tom missed a short putt on the first green from about three and a half foot. And I thought, well, if he's nervous, you know, yeah. I'm nervous, but you know, we're all nervous. Let's we got to learn to play through it, really. Yeah. So and, yeah, uh, the, the, some of the patrons were not on their best behavior that uh, day, as I recall. Well, yeah, that's what happens. You know, it's that, you know, the Europeans have had a good run. You know, we we don't, I don't know how many in a row. I think it was maybe mine was good, maybe the seventh, seventh in a row or sixth in a yeah. row or something. Yeah. So, and, you know, Tom was one of our local favorites and wanted him to win. Yes, I hit it in the creek. Uh, there were some cheers and I thought, well, the cheering for it's come out, but it actually it's gone in the creek. Yeah. But never mind. I hit it under the creek and, I hit it under the trees, and the patrons was there on the right hand side. So I just give it a little bit more extra, and so sort of played them as skittles, <laughs> <laughs> like a few legs out. Yeah. <laughs> I'll get you for booing at me. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. So yeah, you know, I was going to the next hole. I, I get on the tee, and the guy goes, "You know, this is this is this is Augusta, Amen Corner. It's not a ceiling golf course." So I stood on the tee, and I. Boom, this drive down 14, turned around and said, how's that? And uh, Tom said to me something like, he said, I used to get that against Jack Nicholas a lot, you know what I mean? You know, young guy trying to beat the beat the king, really. Yeah, right. That was great. We had a great time, me and Tom. He's such a gentleman to play with. And, he, you know, he appreciates great golf. And that's one thing, what, you know, what we did that day, we played some great golf. Because I took six on that 13th and he made eagle. Yeah. Yeah. And then he eagled fifteenth as well. Fifteen as well. It was a hell of an exciting day, really. Yeah. Unfortunately, Elizabeth missed out, but he got his win in the next couple of few years later, I think. Yeah, you were playing with Tom that that uh, that fourth round. Yeah, Tom stood on the last screen. We're all level. Elizabeth was level level with Elizabeth. Yep. Yeah. Uh, he took five. It in the bunker on the left. Took five. And it's strange that we stood on the tee, and Tom took. 
quite a long time on the team, which was very strange. And he was either a driver or it was a two iron, and he pulled out a three wood. And I thought, well, that's a very strange move because he still got to shape it off the bunker with a three wood, and he and he just oversliced it straight in the trees. And you know, that time was down off the right, the wind. And I tried it early on in the week, and I just 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 it did as hard as I could and carried that bunker. Just took everything out of play, really, and uh, Tom took five, and I ended up making four, holding a, a hold a nice uh, seven footer to win, really. Yeah. As a kid, uh, you probably practiced a lot this putts for the Open Championship. Was that ever for the Masters? Oh, it was. It was for everything. It didn't <laughs> matter which one. We'd all have to, you know. It's like I can remember that time when we would be on the putting green at Flanamonic Golf Club on that Wednesday evening. And we'd all be there, kids together. You know, I'm Gary Player. Who are you? I'm Jack Nicholas. <laughs> you know, I'm Arnold Palmer. We'd all, oh, I'm going to win this. This is for the Masters or it's from the Open. You know. and, it, and, that, and that put came, and that put was the moment. You know, it's, you have one of them destiny moments and when you, it was one ball outside the right lip, slightly uphill. Mm. Couldn't have been a better put for me and, uh, you know, it was how I handled my nerves and how I handled it, how you do this, you know, self-psychology stuff. And I said to myself, well, if I miss this putt, I'm still in a playoff. I can still win if mm-hmm. I miss it. But, you know, it just went straight in the middle and uh, all over. Adios. Let's go and have a beer. <laughs> yeah. Did your world change much after that? Yeah. Yeah. You know, everybody wanted you to go here, there and everywhere. I made a few mistakes. Try. I don't know why I wanted to change my swing. I made a monster mistake. I think that was the Faldo thing, trying to get better and better and better. I made a mistake. I sort of said to myself, well, I got to world number one. I won a major with the swing I've got. And, but also I didn't really enjoy all the press and everything that went with everything. I'm not that sort of guy. Uh, I just love, you know, just being with my friends and, as soon as I finish, I want to go and relax and have fun. But there's so much responsibility becoming with them. world number one. How Tiger Woods did it, I just do not know. I just couldn't survive that. Yeah. Well, you were the fourth straight winner from the UK. Uh, Lyle, Faldo, Faldo, Woosdom. Mm. First player to win representing Wales. And uh, I guess one of the things you get to do every year is you get to come back and you get to go to a little dinner on Tuesday night. So, uh, give our listeners a little insight into that dinner, especially yeah. this year. Well, that was a good one, and I was looking quite excited. I had the I almost fetch me old boxing gloves with me, you know. <laughs> uh, no, it was it was brilliant because you know I always thought there was going to be a bit of tension and everything, and um, obviously we're going to get the big steak from Texas and everything. Uh, uh, but it was a great atmosphere, and it's always great. Sitting there, or and just discussing with all the other players. I had a great uh, discussion with uh, Spieth about the ball and what everything. And I actually, you know, this is quite interesting. You know, cause you don't really get to see him that often because you're in and out of the, of the plan. So about his sand down, because you know, when I won the Masters, I only I won with a 53 degree sand down. Mm. You know, I had, to, I had to shaved it all off, and I, and I, and I said to him, I said. Uh, do you? I hear your sand down's only four degrees bounce. And he said, "Yeah, but I even make it less than that." And I said, "That's brilliant, that is." Because he said, "Oh, 
all this bounce on it and everything is is a load of rubbish. He said, and I mean, this guy can chip, can he? No, sweet, that's as good as any. So he says, uh, "I've just," uh, <laughs> he said, "I've just changed my sander, and you can add mine because I've been chipping so badly." You know, because I, mean? <laughs> I, I just for the new modern sandirons, it got too much bounce on them for me, and I just can't get the feel for it. So it, that was, you know, a bit of an experience sort of thing, and. Obviously, we have a couple of cocktails and then go and have the meal and some storytelling. And the champion gets up and says a speech, and it's always pretty emotional because you know you're in you're speaking to thirty major winners, majors. Yeah. You know, you got your man there, Tiger, Jack, Gary, and you know it was. You get pretty nervous up there. Yeah. Yeah, so who did you sit by this year, and is it normal the, the normal guys, or is it always a little bit, you mix it up a little bit? I try to move it a little bit. I was, who was I with this time? I think I was next to, who was I next to? Mark O'Meara, I think it was next to Mark, and Trevor Himmelman, I think it was. Mm-hmm. Something like that, yeah. yeah. I, I just try to move around a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah. And uh, ben, Ben's kind of settled into that MC role, taken over from Byron Nelson after all these years. Absolutely, yeah. He comes out with few, you know, you always come out with some statistics or something, yeah. and uh, helps us something anyway, which I wouldn't notice anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Phil Mickelson would, you know, like he, he like if it was, it was an inch difference on one of the greens, Phil would know it and yeah. comment on it. Yeah, you know, yeah. But then going to the new changes, you know, on the thirteenth, that was, I thought it was good. Yeah. I thought it was. Good to sort of put them guys on a little bit more of a challenge going into that green. Made them think anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was a great win uh, that year. And as you said, it did change your life. Uh, Not just being a major champion, but being world number one. Uh, We've heard Bill Rogers and others that, uh, you know, got that first major under their belt or, or approached number one status. And they tell you about the rigors and the grinds and so many people wanting a piece of you. Yeah. That is what, you know, people don't see that. Or you go into a restaurant, you know, and I'll never forget my dad saying to me when I won my first tour, he said, uh, now you belong to the public. Mm. And, that, and it's amazing, them words. And he's right. You know, you walk into a restaurant, you're in the middle of your, your steak, and he says, can I have your autograph? Or someone's a, you know, it's it's difficult sometimes. But that's what you got to do. Yeah, and, yeah. You know. Famous. I'd rather be a wealthy businessman than be <laughs> be, a, be a sportsman. Sometimes. Well, you you you, you finished that year going back to back at Monte Carlo. Uh, uh, this was by four over Anders Forsbrand, and then uh, later in the year, you just sort of hit the wall, didn't you? Yeah, a little bit. Uh, was that eighty eight? Uh, ninety one. Ninety one. Yeah, hit the wall. I just uh, yeah. Uh, I, you know, most probably had enough, and I just wanted to get home and enjoy it. Really, yeah. So, can't remember. Uh, can't remember what I did after that. It's all a little bit of a blur. <laughs> <laughs> well, you somehow lost the Masters Trophy. Tell us about that. Well, that wasn't my fault. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. We used to have uh, this thing called "This Is Your Life." Yeah, um, big program. Eamon Andrews, uh, there was someone else uh, did it, uh, and uh, we. I used to. You have to. I sent the the trophy down by Red Star, like UPS, all properly, you know, security and everything. But 
someone must have guessed what it was. It got there all right, but on the way back it disappeared. So I don't know what happened to it. Someone got a nice trophy somewhere. So it never turned up. Never. No, never, never turned up. Again. So uh, the masters had to get me a new one, and obviously went under insurance, and uh, I got got another one. Yeah, yeah. I didn't tell him I sold the other one. <laughs> <laughs> Little side business. Yeah. <laughs> well, Bruce, he wasn't done winning. We've got several other no, wins to talk about. Next year, he goes back again to the Monte Carlo and wins in 1992. Uh, yeah. uh, oh, guess who you beat there again? Mark McNulty again. There you go. <laughs> My goodness. Yeah, poor old Mark. He must have hated me. Yeah, really. <laughs> Yeah, as I said, it's, it's it's quite incredible how many sort of like Mark was playing well at the same time. It's, uh, yeah, I, was that the third time I won the Monte Carlo? It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, three in a row. Yeah. So I said to, yeah, to Princess Caroline, you know, uh, are you going to give me the trophy now? Because once you won it three times in a row, you get to keep it. You know, it was a nice gold trophy. <laughs> they, did, they did give me a nice trophy to keep. But it's quite interesting that, I don't know what it's. Oh, I don't know what year it is that I actually won the Scottish Open three times in a row as well. Or no, I've won it three times, yeah. not in a row. Yeah, but I've won it three times. Yeah, I think I had a crush on Princess Caroline. Oh, oh, did you? <laughs> that's all I'll. That's all I'll <laughs> say about it. <laughs> Tell us more. <laughs> <laughs> that's, all, that's all I'm going to offer up on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ian, you kept uh, going next uh, year too. In '93, you win the uh, the English Open at the Belfry. You like, must have liked the Belfry too. And then you double up again at the uh, Trophy Lancome. Yeah, Trophy Lancome. Yeah, beat your uh, old buddy there, Sam Torrance. What? Sam Torrance. Sam. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we had some great times with Sam. Yeah. Uh, obviously, playing. Playing the English Open, the Belfry is not far from where I used to live. An hour, I used to even drive there and uh, play. As I say, played there a lot. Knew the golf course was with the, you know, I don't know why I played so well there. But I must must have liked it. Mm-hmm. And then obviously Lancome Trophy, I loved it there as well. I loved being in Paris, well Versailles. Uh, played some fantastic golf there as well for some reason. What year was that one? That was ninety three. Yeah. I say that one of the years I was going. I remember Greg Norman giving me a putting lesson. So I've won that tournament three times as well. I think uh, Lancome Trophy. Mm-hmm. And I remember Greg Norman. We played in this little tournament or somewhere. Uh, not in a little tournament. I think it was the Panasonic European Open. And he stood on the putting green four hours. We stood on the putting green with me, mm. giving me a putting lesson. Wow! Mm. I went out and won the next week in. I can't remember if it was that year or not, but I did. So get it back in your stance, get your hands forward, hit down, and I thought, oh, right, oh, we'll try that. And it worked. <laughs> yeah. Now, w- would that move work on today's greens? I don't think that would work now, no. I don't. It's amazing how good the guys are with the putter. Well, you got the greens are just like velvet, aren't they? So yeah. Yeah. it is amazing how well the guys putt, you know, and they and you know, obviously, in our day, especially in Europe, there you have to get it back and pop it a little bit to get it in the hole. Yeah. And amazing when you pick one of your old putters up and how light it is. Uh, and and I'm, I think if you know, I put try to put with a with a putter now and these mallet heads or whatever, they're too heavy. 
So I think my my stroke was a longer stroke, and then I, I had sort of like a more of a pop stroke. Mm-hmm. And that suits a, a light putter, and that's what you can do. And if you try and do that with one of these heavy putters, you, you just have – there's no rhythm on it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as we all know, if you, do, if you do something long enough, you get used to it, and you, that's what you ingrain, and it's hard to change it. Hear that? That's the sound of a walk-off albatross, a two on a par five to win a two-day golf tournament. That shot happened to me, one in 600 million odds. Since then, people call me Albie. Now, I've told this story so often, my friends can't take it. I'm pretty sure my wife, next time I tell her, she's going to leave me. So I decided to start a podcast to tell the entire world about it because it deserves it. It's the craziest shot you've never heard of. And guess what? There's tons more stories like this all around golf. And that's what our podcast is all about. Join me and my fellow degenerates, Panda and Shepard as we dive into them. Insane bets, crazy what-if scenarios, and all the you-had-to-be-there type moments in golf. Find us wherever you get your podcast. Did I tell you about my albatross? Let's move on to 1994. A couple of wins there. We'll highlight the Air France can open at uh, the golf club de Cannes in France by f- just a squeaker, five over Monty. Oh, that was funny. <laughs> yeah, because uh, I, I bought an aeroplane and my pilot was there. And, and after the 27th hole, I've given him the, we're going home. Get it ready. But then all of a sudden, I think I birdied the sort of seven of the next nine or something holes to make the cut and be quiet. Then I just, I just, from there on, I birdied every other hole, I think. <laughs> And it was incredible. I don't know what happened. And all of a sudden, I just must have found something and just sort of went mad. The, the mm. pop stroke was working. Yeah. Not, well, a lot of times I've been on them greens, the, the, the putter didn't even last to get all the way around. It's been over my knee. I had to put with a two iron once there. I remember that. <laughs> so tell us about the Dunhill Masters. You won at Woburn. Uh, was that the Dukes, the Duchess, or the Marquee course that you guys played on there? You remember uh, you won the, by, Duke, the, Duke, the Dukes, yeah. Yeah, you won by four over Mister Ballesteros. Yeah, that was funny because I just made the cut. I think don't know what the scores were, and it was cut to fifty players that day. I think, and we had to go two T start, and uh, I teed off on the tenth, so I basically won the tournament without any cameras on me. Because uh, I shot two great last rounds, something like 65, 67 or something to, to yeah. win and just managed to win one by four in the end. But uh, So maybe that was a good good thing that I wasn't on the other side and putting some some of the guys putting pressure on me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 96, pretty good, Bruce. Another good year. How about the traveling aspect, 96? Johnny <laughs> Walker Classic, Singapore, Heineken Classic, Australia, Scottish Open at Carnoustie, and the German Open. That's what I call travelling the world and winning. <laughs> well, it's quite interesting. Yeah, uh, Johnny Walker, isn't it? It's funny that I'm in my I'm in my house and I'm thinking I'm having a little trouble, sort of getting coordinated, and I don't like you both can see me here. I'm in this chair and. And I'm thinking, well, this work, this chair is quite good because it's it, it, it'll spin, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I started doing these 
just not, not on a not on a chair that spins around. But I put my leg legs around the bottom of the chair and then sort of just started turning like this and uh-huh. turning through. Yeah. So I thought I just got to get this action a little bit better. Turn, turn. And of course, I go out to the Johnny Walker. I'm also putting sort of like putting it in in the toe and hitting it out of the middle, a bit like a captor Kepka was doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or I either hit it, I either had it in the middle and I was hitting it out of the toe. I can't remember because whatever I was doing, I was just putting fantastic. So I won at Johnny Walker, the Johnny Walker uh, in Singapore. Brilliant. I beat Andrew Coltard in a playoff. Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think I all along put on the la- on the last screen, the 72, 72nd all, and I think I hold another one in the playoff to beat the poor guy. Never mind. He's commentating now. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so obviously then we go down to the Vines in Australia. Right. Out in the desert there in a love it was boiling hot the vines and uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I was still on fire there and just carried on a week later and then I, th- I think I, in between after I won there we flew to South Africa from there. Oh uh, my. Think, yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I would and obviously I won the Scottish Open as well, didn't I? Yeah. I guess who you beat there. And Not Mark McNulty. By yeah. four. <laughs> McNulty. No, no, the commentator. The commentator. Oh, yeah. Uh, was it Andrew, was it? Yeah. Sure uh, was, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, he's getting better. Don't <laughs> 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 Yeah, and then obviously uh, German Open. Yeah, I think it was cancelled after three rounds, but I think I was going for like the world record there. I think I was like 21 or something under par after, or even more. 25 under par after three rounds or something. It's yeah, crazy. It six in front of any, anybody. Yeah. 20 under. Was... 20 under for three 20 rounds. 20 under, was I? Yeah, I was, it was, yeah I, was, I was playing some golf there, yeah. Yeah, did you ever play that event at that Frankfurter Golf Club? No, not that one. Not as I know of. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, no, I don't think so. Yeah. Who was it designed by? Do you know? Uh, I should know that. I, I used to be a member when I lived in Frankfurt, and uh, I just remember that five Aussies won the German Open at Frankfurter Golf Club. Would it have been when I was playing? Uh, I don't know. So, Bruce, you'd know these names probably. Stephen Allen, Craig Perry, yeah. Graham Marsh, Bob Stanton, and Peter Thompson all won at Frankfurter Golf Club. Frankfurt. Talking about Peter and Stanton, you could be going back a long way. Uh, when They're all Aussies. There. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Maybe 50 years ago. Yeah, they all won there. Yeah. Yep. I must have played there. Probably so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Craig Parry. Craig yeah. Parry, did you say? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Great yep. little player. Yeah. Yep. Had some battles with him as well. Yeah. So uh, we'll go on the following year Volvo PGA Championship. That was the second one you won in 1997. That was again at Wentworth by two over Darren Clark, Ernie Els, and Nick Faldo. And that's pretty good. Uh, yeah. How about those three? Yeah. Ladies, huh? Uh, you know, when you play, I can remember, I, I was, you know, I was, earlier on when I went and I said I used to have to go and pre-qualify in that Fox Hill Golf Club, uh, well, to try and get my card. And it, after one of the, after after I went to Wentworth and played, it was straight after the world match play. And we played, I played one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh hole, and then we came in, played the rest. And I think I shot like eight under par. And I thought, I love this golf course. <laughs> so I've always had a 
something about Wentworth I just love. Uh, it just sort of suited me. I love Wentworth because, not so much now, but you use every single club in your bag from, you know, from a one iron to a driver. And that's what, you know, when you have a set of golf clubs in the bag, that that's what they're there for. Yeah. You use every one of them. Yeah. Not just a drive and a wedge every bloody five minutes. Does my head in. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Well, a lot, a lot of people might have thought that was the end of, of your winning career, but four years later in 2001, guess where we went again? We went back. Oh, yeah. We went exactly. back to the match play at Piccadilly. Yeah, it, uh, what was it called then? The Cisco. Cisco, Cisco match play. Yeah. Match play. yeah. I think I won with three different, I won three different decades. Uh, Yes. I'm and become the Paul, oldest player ever to win it. Yeah, I'm playing Podrick Arrington in yeah. the final. Yeah. So we stay, I, so I, I thought I didn't stay in a house. You usually get a house to stay in. I thought I won't get a house because I won't be there that long. So I'll stay in the hotel. Of course, I, I'm playing really well. So I end up, I'm, I've beat how many players? Lee Westwood, I've beat Clark, I've beat Monty, I think. I, and then anyway, thrashed him. And then I'm in the final against Pod. Audrey Arrington. So everybody's turned up at the hotel the night before, thinking, oh, yeah, this is great. We're in the fight. We have it. I'm sort of like, I want to go to bed. I've got a 36 holes to play. You know, so everybody wants a drink. So I've ended up a few drinks. But it's about 12.30. I went to bed. I'm playing at 7.30 or something. So I get on the first tee. Birdie. 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 Birdie, 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 birdie. Seven <laughs> birdies in a row. 28 on the front. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm 28 on the front and I'm two up. Only two up. <laughs> I shoot 63 and I'm two down. That is at Wentworth. Isn't That's that crazy. Nuts? So we're going on and then we go out and we play seven. I'm still two down and we're playing the seventh hole. Uh, so we're all square, let's say, and Podrick hit a shot to the right and it went in the little ditch. And, I'm, and then all of a sudden he sort of like, you know, sort of like lost his swing a little bit. And it was amazing, I think. Now I ended up beating him two and one or three and one or something, I can't remember. What a match that was. It was incredible to shoot, you know, 63 or 62, whatever I was, the first down. round. Two down, two down, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Fantastic golf, yeah. Uh, he used to love playing at that time of the year because the pass pattern or whatever it was, on the, on the, the greens were absolutely pure, so they, they, they were just so nice to put on. Yeah. In, it went, when we used to put it sort of like in the BMW in April time or May, you know, they used to bump all over the place a little bit. Yeah. Did you play there in the early days? I seem to remember David Graham and others talking about in the early days being chauffeured around in Bentleys when they came to the Piccadilly. Yeah, that's exactly. They used to give you cars or they drive you around, go wherever you want to do. They give you a house. It was, it certainly did look after us very well. Yeah, a little different than traveling the safari circuit back in the day, huh? <laughs> well, exactly. You know, you <laughs> you, you deserved you, it. You're sort of eating baked beans and all sorts of like stuff like that, and then the next thing you know, you're traveling around in in in, in whatever car, and you got your own plane. It was nice for a few years doing that, anyway. 
we we had a an old show in the states uh, back in the I don't know seventies or something, and the theme song was "Moving On Up," and you you did a lot of moving on up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, you know. And I look back and I wonder how how did that happen? I don't know. It just happened, I guess. Well, you, one of the great things was when I had the caravan, the van. I used to start park on the practice ground, and I would practice all all day. You know, boom, boom, boom grinding in my swing but then things sometimes don't you know you've got to know what you're doing and I've got to say that I've had a few coaches which just helped me on the way obviously what really I had John Jacobs help me and a few other coaches but one other guy was called Gavin Christie don't know if you ever a Scottish guy more teacher of Mark James and everything and he sort of like showed me how to get into the right area I'd hit him position sort of like Back of the left wrist, hands down a little bit, and more square, holding the face. The left wrist, same as the face, and mm. all of a sudden, I, I, I got a, I, I got a, a shot that I could trust all the time, and then that just changed my life really. And then I started working with Bob Torrance, and he changed a couple of little things, and that helped me sort of helped to get into my right side a bit better and more consistent, and you know, took that took that big hook out of it as well. Yeah. So yeah, that's good people on, on the way as well. Thank you for listening to another episode of For the Good of the Game. And please, wherever you listen to your podcast on Apple and Spotify, if you like what you hear, please subscribe, spread the word, and tell your friends. Until we tee it up again, for the good of the game, so long, everybody. Whack down the fairway. It went smack down the fairway Then it started to slice just a smidge off line It headed for two, but it bounced off nine My caddy says, long as you're still in the state, you're okay Yes, it went straight down the middle Quite a way